Hi, this is Kerry. Uh, I'm the host of Best of Us Investors, and here at Best of Us Investors, we're a tribe of, um, I guess it's around 18,000 people now that are on our Discord, and we basically have three objectives. One, to make good investment decisions. Two, to keep more of what we make by understanding our tax code. And number three, uh, to build family wealth. I tend to spend most of my video time uh, addressing objective number one. But I have reason to address objective number two, learn to keep more of what we make. As it was, uh, earlier this week, I received a call from Vincent. He has been a longtime tribe member. He is actually a Vietnamese gentleman who uh, lives in the southwest uh, and has, uh, over the years, built uh, a business in the form of a laundromat. He informed me earlier this week that he has been offered $1.2 million for the laundromat, and he wants to keep more of what he makes. He went to his CPA and said, what is my exposure on capital gains? And she said, of the $1.2 million, it looks like it's about $200,000. So Vincent called me and uh, said, Kerry, uh, do I have to pay that? Um, that capital gains tax on the sale of my laundromat. And I asked him a few questions about what his ambitions were. He, he said, well, if I, if I sell and don't have to go to the laundromat anymore, I'll, I'll just be watching your videos. And I said, well, you need to be doing something more than that. He's in his mid-50s. And I said, well, from my understanding of your situation, which is minimal, uh, based on what you told me, the answer to your question is no. No, you do not need to pay those capital gains taxes. And uh, what I want to do in this video is share with you uh, my insights, my learnings. I'm a retired financial advisor. I have addressed this uh, situation in the past, and I learned how our tax code works. And uh, I think that um, Vincent doesn't have to pay any. In fact, he never should have to pay uh, taxes on that. And this $1.2 million, if he does it right, over the next 20 years could grow to about $11 million. And that part of that is because he isn't going to pay the, the, um, the capital gains taxes. Now, Vincent said early on our conversation, now, Mr. Carey, I know you're not my financial advisor, and I want you to hear that as well. All I am is a retired financial advisor who has acquired some knowledge, basically through his study and his education, and the purpose of this YouTube channel is to share my knowledge. But let's get this uh, done in writing, and then we'll talk about Vincent's situation. Best of Us Investors presents Kerry Griegmeier. As I said, Vincent owns a laundromat, um, and he is, has been offered $1.2 million for it. Uh, I ask him, what does the laundromat consist of? He says, well, it's a bunch of washers and dryers and vending machines and basically a small office, and uh, we do take in some laundry and things of that nature. I says, is it, how is it housed? He said, well, it's in a building downtown. And I said, uh, do you happen to own that building? He said, yes, I do. I said, okay, what you own then, Vincent, is a piece of real estate. And it just happens that inside that building, that piece of real estate that has appreciated over the last 
however years, uh, houses a laundromat. It could house anything, um, whatever the code would allow, but it's a piece of real estate. And that's what you need to focus on. And that's what you need to explain to your CPA and tell them you want to do a 1035 exchange. He said to me, well, what's a 1035 exchange? I said, well, basically it is a law that says that if you sell a business and you take the proceeds from the sale of that business and you put it into a like-kind type of business, in other words, another piece of real estate that houses something, um, you, don't, you, you don't have to pay the, um, the, the capital gains tax. And he says, well, how long do I have to find this other piece of property? So, well, the law as I recall it, and I am not a CPA and I don't ever intend to be, uh, is that you have 18 months. You basically, at the sale of the property, the year of the sale of the property, you have to file a form that basically says, I sold my laundromat for $1.2 million and I intend by such and such a date, 18 months later, after the closing on the sale, I intend to buy a like-kind piece of property and uh, and invest all of the funds in that. Now, I said, what you have to do is find somebody who can find you a like-kind piece of property. And he said, what might that be, a bigger laundromat? I said, I don't think so. I don't think that's the way I would go. I said, on the, on the low scale of it, you could find an apartment building. Let's assume that you found a 24-unit apartment building that was for sale for $3.6 million, and you put $1.2 million down on it um, and bought it and then basically ran it for the next 20 years. He said, well, what would that look like? And I said, well, it just so happens, Vincent, I am producing a online course on basically uh, buying and managing rental real estate in a very passive manner. And what I mean by that is I don't want to create another job for you, Vincent. I want to create a situation where you team up with a astute um, real estate agent, probably in this case, a commercial real estate agent, um, who will go and find you the property and understands the mechanics and the workings of owning rental real estate. Then I want you to find a banker, and you will probably not find this banker in a bank. You will find them probably as a mortgage originator who represents independent investors and is looking for a little bit more aggressive investment than the single-family home, self-lived-in home, uh, and, and can look and see the potential of what you're doing. So you'll need a, a real estate agent, and then you'll need a banker. And then in addition to that, you're going to need a property manager, because what you don't want 
is to be the guy who sits on the, the other end of the telephone at three o'clock in the morning when somebody says, my toilet is clogged. You don't want to be that person. You want someone who does that professionally, knows how to manage not only the building, but the people, and find you good renters, and then you become the investor. You've got the $1.2 million and you become the investor, and you take advantage of the tax laws that are very favorable to real estate. Uh, and those are appreciation. We know that historically, if you buy in the right neighborhood and you get the good tenants, your uh, asset will appreciate in value. The other advantage is depreciation, and that is to say that you can depreciate the building, even though it's appreciating, and write that off your income taxes and thus create a, a, a money-making machine. Now, what's critical is that you know the numbers. You know what numbers to plug into what holes to determine whether this 24-unit apartment building is a good investment or a bad investment. And because of the luxury we have of modern-day computing and Excel spreadsheets, and if you know how to run an Excel spreadsheet, all you got to do is plug and play. And I have created such an Excel spreadsheet for my real estate endeavors, as well as for the online course that I am going to be making available. Uh, probably this is what? This is uh, February, probably by the end of March. But I want to share that with you, Vince, uh, Vincent, uh, today. Now, this is not financial advice. This is just Kerry sharing his knowledge. And I want you to then, once I show you this, I want you to be thinking outside of the box. I'm going to talk about an apartment building, but as soon as I'm done with this, we want to talk about some other options that I have become aware of through my associations that might be as good, if not better, than a multi-home or a multi-family uh, uh, complex, okay? So let's first of all look at this spreadsheet that I have created and get an understanding of the power of owning real estate. This is Vincent's spreadsheet. I don't want to really say it's Vincent's spreadsheet, but this is a spreadsheet that I use to basically analyze real estate. I, I built it basically for analyzing single-family homes, but I've adapted it, and that's the beauty of it. You can adapt it to anything that you might want to consider. And what I'm considering here, as you can see, is an apartment complex, a 24-unit complex that was built in 819. 87. So it's got some mileage on it. About uh, 28,800 square feet has a sale market price of $3.6 million. And we're going to pay $3.6 million. We're going to put uh, $2 million or a $1 million down. We're going to have some loan origination fees. So all in all, we're going to end up putting uh, $1 million, 16,000 uh, 16, into this property. Uh, I did some research, and I believe that we can generate about $28,800 uh, a month on, um, on rentals, which works out to be about $345,000 a year. I did, again, some <clears throat> research 
unlike properties. And I, I'm estimating that the property taxes are going to be about $25,700, the insurance uh, $21,600, and then I'm figuring a management fee. I don't want to manage this. I do not want to be the guy who gets the, my toilet is clogged, uh, call at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I want professionals who find me good renters and manage the renters. If your toilet is clogged at 3 o'clock in the morning, it's because you did something. You put something in there that doesn't belong in there. And if we come out and fix it, you're going to pay for it. And you're going to pay multiple times, double time, because we're coming at 3 o'clock. So don't call us like this and don't put things down your... I want a professional to do that. So I'm willing to pay them uh, $24,718, $88 a year. And I'm allocating $32,000 a year for things that need to be maintained and kept up so that my property does, in fact, appreciate. So those are the numbers I plug in, okay? I also have indicated that I'm going to be paying an interest rate of 4.25%, and that basically then tells me that my mortgage payment is going to be $9,208 a month, okay? And that then, these numbers then work through the magic of Google Sheets and uh, Excel, which is a Microsoft product, and give me then a, an analysis. And I've made it, the, the analysis is really all right here, but it's not uh, available or interpretable by layman. So what I've done is said, okay, let's assume that uh, Vincent just pays cash for the whole damn thing and um, writes a check um, for $3.6 million. Well, he doesn't have that option, but if he did, would this be a good investment? And what you can see is it gives the cost of acquisition, the annual um, gross rent, and then his property management fees, his insurance taxes, and his annual income would be $118,000, which based upon his um, what he invested, his return on, on investment is 5.8%. Uh, nothing outstanding, nothing to scream home about. But let's then use the tax laws to our advantage and say that, in fact, he is going to finance it. And his, his income and everything is exactly what we had over here. And so now his cash on cash return, in other words, what he nets in income based upon what he invested, the total acquisition cost plus debt service of 222000 he is making 11% on his money. That's better than a CD. Okay, but where it really gets interesting is in his interest write-off of a hundred and three thousand the first the first year, his depreciation of a hundred and thirty thousand in the first year. So his total tax write-off is two hundred and thirty-four thousand seven hundred and eighty-eight dollars. So his tax savings, if we figure he's in the thirty-three percent tax bracket, he has a tax savings of $77,480. He has a cash flow of $113,731. And in essence, his, his gross 
equity increase plus tax savings on this investment in his first year is $413,832.58. That makes it a good investment. If we then say he's, his total cash in was $1,016,000, where did we get that? We got that right there. Um, so his total return on investment, and his return is this number, 413832 against his 1016000 His total return is 41%. Okay, so that's a win. Now, let's look at what Vincent's overall situation is. Now, someone else is, is managing the business, but it's creating him an annual cash flow of $113,000. He can sit home and watch Carrie's videos on that, or he can do and, and pursue something that he's very interested in. But what I really wanted you to look at here is the appreciation value. Again, he paid $3.6 million for it. It appreciated at a rate of 6% a year. So we that gives us an appreciation the first year of $216,000. So his asset that he paid $3.6 million is now worth $3.816 in the first year. If it continues through his lifetime to appreciate it at that rate, and he just sits back and takes in his cash flow, he's going to die 20 years later with an asset that's worth $11,545,688,000. Well, what's going to happen to that? Is, does he ha does, do they own, owe the capital gains between the 3.6 and the 11.5? No. They get a step up in basis. So the day after he dies they report that the basis on this is $11,545,688. They turn around and sell it to someone the next day. They owe no capital gains. If Vincent is single, the current law allows him to pass $11,250,000 or $225,000 onto his heirs estate tax-free. He's just got a little estate tax exposure. Now, there's ways we can avoid that through gifting uh, over the years, but that's a whole other video. The, my point is, this is how you get rich. You don't take the word of your accountant who says, or your CPA, yes, Vincent, you're going to owe um, capital gains taxes, and then, but Vincent, you can live off of that one million dollars for the rest of your life. No, we aren't going to play it that way. We're going to take advantage of the laws. We're going to keep more of what we make. Okay, I think it's a pretty clear. Vincent can, number one, avoid the capital gains taxes. And understand this. This is what separates the people who do okay and the people who get very wealthy. Because if Vincent does this, he is going to take a uncomfortable situation and putting himself in a position where he will spend down his, his, the, the fruits of his labors, his $1 million left, or 
he can become extremely wealthy by using this gain, this this hard work, and turning it into something that will be a benefit to not only him, but his heirs. And what do I mean by that? Okay, we understand now the 1035 exchange and how Vincent benefits from it. What you need to know also is when Vincent dies, he's now about 55, and let's say he lives to 80. So he's what, um, uh, 35 years, 25, 25 years from now. He's going to own this in his estate. His estate will get, if the tax laws stay the same, a step up in basis. What is Vincent's basis in this property? The one, the, the $3.6 million. But we have shown that it will have appreciated to $11 million. His cost basis is 3.6. The value when he dies is $11 million. Now, that creates a substantial capital gain. But again, if you know the tax law, you know that Vincent's heirs will get a step up in basis. So whatever that complex, whatever it is, is worth on the day of his death is their cost basis. So if it's now $11,500,000 and they turn around and sell it the day after he dies for $11,500,000, they owe no capital gains taxes on it. And under our current law, Vincent is allowed to pass $11,250,000 estate tax-free onto his heirs. So he has a very slight exposure to estate taxes. This is what separates that little piece, those two pieces of knowledge that I've shared with you, is what separates the people who did okay from the people who got filthy wealthy. They understand our tax laws. Now, I want to explore something a little bit different. Let's say Vincent can't find an apartment building that fits his desires, that is is in a good neighborhood, has a good steady base of of people uh, who pay their rent. Let's say instead he finds a doctor's building adjacent to a thriving hospital, and there are 12 doctors or five doctors in this doc, this doctor's office building who own that building and they 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 own it and it's worth 3.6 million dollars and they want to sell it why would they want to sell it they want to cash out what they've got they want that 3.6 million dollars so they can go on a nice vacation or buy a tesla and it's sitting in that building and they want to cash out and some of them want to retire and they want to cash out. So they're motivated sellers. Now, what if rather than an apartment building, he buys the doctor's office building and then enters into a lease-back arrangement for 10 or 20 years and then hires a management company to take care of the building? Other than Vincent may just go over and talk to the doctor's once a quarter, to see how they're taking care of his building. And now he has, whether it's an apartment building, a doctor's building, a strip, a strip uh, 
shopping mall, whatever it is, it's going to have the same benefits as the apartment building. It's going to appreciate in value. He's going to be able to depreciate it on his tax return, and he's going to have a steady flow of income and build an asset that we estimate is going to be worth $11 million. What was his option? Take the $1.2 million, pay $200,000 in capital gains tax, and then deplate the $1 million, or invest it in the stock market, and maybe if he invests it in right, he'll do well. But this is a secure, non-volatile way of taking his good fortune, not good fortune, his hard work to sell a laundromat for $1.2 million and turn it into an inheritance for his family of $11 million. Again, I want to emphasize what I have just told you is what separates those of us who do well from those who are of us who get stinky rich. We understand our tax laws. They are made by wealthy people who want to get welfare. Real estate is a behind the scenes. You never hear anybody being brought up in Congress for insider trading on real estate. You never hear them talking about, I hold that real estate in a blind trust and I have no idea what is going on. That's how they get rich. One just side note. We know that Donald Trump never shared his tax returns. Why? What business is Donald Trump in? The real estate business. Enough said. Okay, I hope that helps you. I hope that just took a light bulb and set it off in your head and said, holy crap, I need to subscribe to Carrie's channel. I need to ring the bell. I need to go to Best of Us Investors and become a member of his tribe like Vincent did so that maybe I can find his phone number and ask him on an evening Carrie, I got a question for you. Now, I know, Carrie, you're not my financial advisor, but hear me out. Vincent, I hope that helps you and uh, take care of your children. <laughs>